Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 166. We are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hello, girls. How's everyone doing? Hello. Um, scrambling. It's kicking into high gear for me right now at school. We're like approaching midterms, and I have, um, uh, I have a paper due. I already finished one uh, earlier today, so I have to finish another one. This one should be easy because I just have to watch the Leonardo DiCaprio Romeo and Juliet and write oh, a nice. of it. Yes. So that, yeah. that was not. Too, it's not too hard, but um, I also have a quiz I need to turn in. So you know, busy. Busy, 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 busy. It's so interesting to me, people who in school now don't even have to go to class to take their quizzes. Yeah, <laughs> I online. know. That is that one is of so the benefits. Cool. It's one of, yeah, I have two online classes and two in-person classes, but one of the, the in-person one sometimes shifts over to online if the professor doesn't want to come <laughs> down to the university. <laughs> That is so, so cool. So I don't feel like taking off. Sometimes she is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. No, it's like because sometimes she's already at the university, and so she's just like classes in person today. And sometimes she's all like, "Well, I'm not at the university right now, so we're moving online." And I'm just all like, "Sick." <laughs> <laughs> it just it's it boils down to: Do I want to change into pants to go outside, or should I just keep my PJs on? Yeah, it's what I figured. Yeah. And you know what? She's so valid. I understand now, especially because right now I'm like in two different like group projects and stuff like that. And in one of them, uh, one of the girls, she's like super like it's just me and this other girl. Uh, and she's just all like she's like super active and stuff like that. And we were talking about a project and like stuff like that. Um, and we were discussing what we thought about it. And I'm just all, like, this really reminds me of my clubbing days. And then she looks at me and she's just like, how old are you? And I'm just like, oh, I'm 28. She's just like, oh, my God. And I was just all, like, <laughs> why? Why did you? What, what, what was the what about that reaction? What's going on? I was just all, like, and she's just like, well, then she's like, tried to assuage, assuage me. She's just all, like, I thought you were my age. And I was just like, oh, and I was just like, how old are you? She's 20. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I love it that Jen is experiencing this because I knew her when she was 20. <laughs> he did, actually. I think, no, you knew me when I was 19. Yeah. Uh-huh. We met when when I was 19, yeah. Wow. That's, I, wow. Wow. <laughs> but, oh, but um, what a compliment to for her to say that she thought you were her age. So that's cool. Look at this face. I don't, most, I moisturize for a reason. i love that shout out to moisturizing guys yes well i've been trying to get in the the halloweeny mood which is hard because it's so hot still um but i know i i bought it's it's gotten cold here (laughs) oh nice that's so cool i can't wait to wear a scarf and boots and um so i got all my halloweeny stuff out and ready to go but on some of the stuff, I'm just lagging actual execution. So I started strong in September, but I'm like beginning of September, but I'm like trickling down to like 
just binging horror movies instead. <laughs> trying to get well, into- I Oh sorry, go ahead. No, I was just trying to get into the Halloween spirit. Well, I am in the Halloween spirit because I just came back from Disneyland's uh, Oogie Boogie Bash, uh, actually at Disney California Adventure. We went um, on Sunday, September, what was it? September 18th. And it was so much fun. My three nephews came and uh, my mom and Eddie and I took them. Um, They are two five and 11. So a wide range of ages. And I actually am super proud that I could keep up with all of them. Um, I really want to continue to run and exercise and just be as active as I can um, to do fun stuff like this with them. There was at one point where my 11 year old nephew was running up the stairs to go get on this roller coaster and I was running up the stairs too. And, and I actually had the thought in my mind of, you know, not all 50 year old women can run upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, I saw your pictures and I was like, you look just as good as when you started the day as when you finished. And I was like, how <laughs> is she able to, there's three of them. There's three of them. I mean, when I used to take out like my nephew and his cousins, I was like, I mean, I could only do like a certain amount of hours because I mean, they wanted to go swimming and, you know, yeah. let's race, let's swim race. And I'm like, oh my God, por qué Dios mío. <laughs> and this was, this my was mom should three be years thankful ago. The fact that my brother was the only uh, sports person and the rest of us were all too lazy. <laughs> <laughs> it really does make a difference. I'm so glad you had a good time and I'm so glad that you see the fruits of your labor, that you run every freaking day, your miles. And it really <laughs> makes a difference in keeping up with three young boys and different ages too so i mean wow i would mentally and physically be exhausted i would need two days to recover i mean i could possibly do it with maybe with the red bull and a coffee but after that i'd have to (laughs) i'd have to relax for two days just to just you know but i see your point no and i'm glad you brought that up because a lot of us out there are like why exercise i'm getting old anyway but like you said you know you're able to keep up with these kids and i think that's amazing Yeah, and honestly, it really affects your quality of life. Like, the older you get, you still have shit to do. You still gotta go grocery shopping. You have fun things that happen that you want to go do. You want to travel, and when you travel, you want to explore. So it just makes sense to me to just continue to do the best you can to to be able to enjoy those things. Absolutely. Amen. All right, guys, now it's time for Chisme de la Semana. Kristen, what do you have for us today? So I heard this cheese the other day and I was like, oh my God, what are they going to do? And I <laughs> looked it up today and was like, oh, I'm going to share this because this is actually kind of cool. So um, in case you haven't heard, an icon within the Star Wars universe is retiring. Who may you ask is it? Well, James Earl Jones, the voice of Darth Vader, is retiring from that role. He has been in that role for 45 years. Wow. And he's retiring. But that doesn't mean, obviously, that the um, that the character is going away. Because how could Darth Vader go away? He's like a huge icon in in the storyline, um, in, the, in the universe. What 
is going to happen, what he actually did was he signed over the rights to his voice to an AI company who is now going to take all of the recordings that they've done over 35 years and be able to program um, a computer to basically be the role of Darth Vader now with James Earl Jones' voice. What? Wow. You see, that's interesting. Like, on one hand, like, I'm glad that James Earl Joyce was able to take this decision himself and, like, actually, like, do it and probably very much benefit from it as well. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't even know how much money uh, was exchanged or, like, what the, like, what the profits and stuff like that is going to be because he is such an iconic voice. Um, uh, But it's also, like, he's, 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 he's old too like yes. it must be exhausting too especially using your voice like that so yeah. and also the role of Darth Vader, Vader himself who is like part machine I think that actually like pretty much kind of fits as well um uh, but there's definitely something to be said about performance and like you can perform with your voice and I wonder if uh, how much of that we're going to lose yeah in very nice- interesting yeah so, so- it's a Ukrainian company who uses archival recordings and AI programming to create new dialogue with the voices of performers who have either aged out of their roles or have passed away. So um, in this situation, um, it's saying that James has aged out because, yeah, your voice does start to change. You start to get a little bit more shaky. And then also just exactly like you said, Jen, like actually he might not be on screen, but he still has to physically go to the studio. He has to memorize his lines. He has to do all that. And it is um, a pretty big um, physical thing for people to do, even though we're not seeing him actually on screen. So I um, have heard a lot of Uh, backlash from creative communities about AI taking over a lot of stuff. Like apparently there was some guy who used AI to, I can't remember what it was. Yes. He won an art competition. Also there's a comic book coming out um, here in a couple of months that was completely AI generated. And so while I actually do think it's kind of interesting and I wanted to see it, I a hundred percent understand the criticisms of, of, of course, artists themselves, but also retailers and just comic book industry. I thought it was cool, but then when I read that article, I'm like, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And so um, I've been seeing recently a lot of, of backlash and criticism about this kind of thing in the art world. And so I guess we'll we'll begin to see a lot more of that. Yeah, um, I was briefly listening to the radio on the way to work in Torrance and um, they were talking about this artist, these people who generated this program, sort of an AI program that it, that kind of um, took all the information out there that's popular in the music industry and songs that have hit and music and sound, tone of voice and lyrics. And they created mm-hmm. a song. Um, so the this group of people created a song and a persona that hit number one in in the pop charts but the problem was that the ai introduced the n-word within the song but nobody within the creative people in the background were a person of color like a black Uh, person so there then there was a canceling out it just is it was just mind-blowing like it wasn't a person saying it it was the ai computer generated program that designed this song 
but yeah. the people that created the program were there was no one of black descent or anything so which is kind of similar to what jen was saying like tone and affect like that's a big thing you know acting is actually part of you know of that role and uh, similar here there was no social context that that ai program could put into using or not using that word so very interesting yeah (laughs) but that's really juicy cheese man but another thing on another level i'm kind of glad that they didn't just get somebody who sounded like him and then proceeded to just cast him as darth vader he Mm -hmm. gave license to use his voice so that gives them royalties i i assume right i'm assuming too yeah yeah so (laughs) that's a big deal yeah that's a big deal because go ahead Oh, I'm sorry, because that just there's a lot of people that will just kind of get somebody else that sounds the same or kind of looks the same. Um, and then you ju- they just go with it and continue making money and then just leave the other person out there to pasture, you know. But in this case, he's licensing his voice. So he's give like I feel like he's going to get royalties for that. Well, interestingly, royalties now, but back when George Lucas first hired uh, Jones to dub over the voice of the actor, he got paid just $7,000 for it. Whoa. <laughs> I hope it's more than that now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, uh, surprisingly not. There is a current uh, drama going on about voice acting and just how little voice actors get paid. Like, you would have to be someone like James Earl Jones to or have such an iconic role to be like paid anything that's significant a lot of people a lot of voice actors barely get paid three hundred dollars oh my god or doing a whole a whole movie that's the current uh, a whole movie oh my god a whole movie. yeah not only uh, that recently. i mean I hate to cut you off, but not only that, like a lot of regular actors are getting into voice acting, too. Mm -hmm. So that takes away from more of the jobs of the voice actors out there. Mm -hmm. And it's really funny because voice acting is it's like it's different. Like it's still acting, but it's different. And you can very much tell when someone an actor is not very experienced with it because they might do a good job making a performance visually, but auditorily. Probably not so much. Yeah. Because uh, how do you convey something like that? So yeah. it's uh, it it's many things crossing over. There's like voice acting. There's AI. There's like rights and royalties and stuff like that. There's a lot of this stuff mixed in, and there's also the newness of it too because it's just we like copyright. There's stuff like that, and there's also like like we said royalties and like who who. After, like, I mean, not to uh, wish any ill upon him, but what happens once he is dead and, like, where, like, do those royalties go? Does his family estate, like, what's the deal there? We don't really know, and it's such new territory. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah, most definitely. All right, guys, now it's time for On My Radar. And On My Radar, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Los Spookies is back for season two. <laughs> yes. Yay. Oh, my God. I need to, like, sit down and watch it because, seriously, like, I should probably rewatch season one, too, because it's, like, Yes. Not that 
I want to rewatch season uh, one again, but I watched season two, the first two episodes. They are oh, on cool. HBO Max, and they uh, come out a new one every Friday. And so far, I'm loving it. Oh my god, so good! I'm but just gonna have to break down and sign up for HBO Max <laughs> because I was using I I allegedly was using a friend's password and, <laughs> and sign in, um, but then they moved and. And got rid of that cable company and went to a new one. So now I don't have it anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> so yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. I was really worried because it took kind of a long time for them to come out with season two. But of yes. course, assuming it was due to COVID. So that, guys, is Los Espookies. Uh, on HBO Max, new episode every Friday. What is also on my radar is a new little adult cartoon called Little Demon. And it is by FX, and you can watch it on Hulu. Um, it is so funny. It is totally an adult cartoon. It's basically Satan gets a witch pregnant, and she when when she's when she's about to give birth, she's going to sacrifice this demon child, but then she pops out, and it's a girl. And so she spends most of her life like uh, um, moving from place to place. And the mom, oh my God, she's so inappropriate. She is definitely a witch. And she basically, she does a lot of like rituals and castings and spells. And she's basically like a real, like I could compare her to Sarah Connor, like a bulked up, like ready for the end of the world apocalypse shit. So she doesn't find out that she is Satan's daughter until she has her first period. And because she has uh, her first period, she, um, the doors of hell have like found her and <laughs> then she unlocks her powers and she just she was getting picked on at the time where she was getting her first period. And so uh, those boys that were picking on her, they just they come spontaneously combust and then a portal to hell opens and then the mom has to perform another sacrifice in order to find her daughter she's like oh my god she she got her first period and i gotta go find her she's in school and you know like all the and then satan's like i finally found her and basically he needs his offspring in order to bring about the end of the world but between that time um there's a lot of comedy in into it as well but between that time, he's actually training here and having a relationship with his daughter. And Satan himself is changing in the process. And Satan is played by Danny DeVito. I don't know if I mentioned it. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the storyline is so hilarious. The only problem I have with it is that it's only 28-minute episodes. But every time they're on my Hulu list, I'm just like, yes, new episode. It's so good. Did but, you say yeah. this was an animated yes. Uh, show? Yes, animated show. Yeah, and and you know it's Danny DeVito. Does the character actually look like Danny DeVito? No, or no? no, he doesn't. No, because that picture in my mind. Is <laughs> that's what I. That's what I pictured as well. I it was, I pictured like a devil Danny DeVito, but. a little right. shirt penguin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, at first it took a little bit. Um, to adjust to his voice just because he's so iconic and we know what he looks mm -hmm. like. Like, yeah, we were just yeah. talking about uh, James Earl Jones. But no, you really, it, the character is so crazy that you just like, you get really sucked into the storyline. I really highly recommend it. It's, it's comedy and it's kind of like demony and <laughs> so inappropriate uh, that it just becomes so fun. So I really recommend that. Another thing that is on my radar 
the first three episodes of Andor are Disney Plus, guys. And of course, I binged them all. And oh my God, Diego Luna, oh my God, you're still, <laughs> oh, I have such a hard on for him. He's just amazing. Amazing story. They're already comparing it to the Obi Wan series uh, where they're like, uh, you know how like they have the. The, the Obi-Wan, there's a show right now. The first season just came out, uh, just ended. Mm-hmm. So um, they're saying that, like, Andor is far more superior than the Obi-Wan storyline. Possibly, I guess. I, I mean, maybe. But um, one of the cool things is we were just talking about uh, dubbing and voice actors and everything. Well, Diego Luna and one of the actresses within the Andor series do their own dubbing in Spanish. So I can't wait till Frank starts watching it in Spanish because then I'll be able to listen to Diego Luna in Spanish, which I love. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, he also did his dubbing for Rogue One in Spanish. So, I mean, it really, for people who follow him as a, an actor in Spanish movies, it's a real pleasant surprise to hear mm-hmm. his voice in the Spanish dubbing. But yes, Andor, three episodes are out, and they are amazing. I really highly recommend that, Disney+. Plus. So those three shows are on my radar. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so excited! What time is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, by that reaction, I can only assume that... Es la hora de la, de la cervecita. cervecita. And today we are drinking another amazing collaboration by the Pink Boots um, Society. It's a Pink Boots collaboration brew. Oh, I poured mine into a glass and I'm looking at the can and I can smell it. It is a, a beer called triple threat it's a triple hazy ipa and it is oh man it it is um brewed by temblor brewing company uh and it is an amazing 10.5 abv i looked at that like oh my gosh so just as a reminder the pink boot society is um an organization that helps to support uh, women in the um, brewing company, the beer brewing, not company, beer brewing industry. Uh, and a portion of the proceeds from any beer that is a Pink Boots brew goes to the Pink Boots Society. So whenever you are buying um, a Pink Boots beer, you are supporting um, women in the beer brewing industry. I love it. And every time I get a chance to find a Pink Boots Brew collab, I always buy it because I, first of all, we love beer as women and we want to support women in the brewing industry. And they always have like this great mix of hops that they, the recipe that they do for the collabs with different um, breweries. So every time I see it, I look for it when I'm out of town. I look for it when I'm out and about just shopping for beer. Um, and I'm, I have yet to find a Pink's Brew collab in another state or anything like that, but, but I'm always looking. I never thought of that. Good point. So Mm. just the smell, it's a hundred percent Hazy IPA. You can smell the hops right off the front of that bouquet. It is so, so (laughs) hoppy. Um, And so I haven't tasted it yet, but I did share with Sarah that I was very upset because I poured this beer into a glass, into a mug, actually. One of those, like, Yeti 
Yes. It's like a generic Yeti. So that it'll stay cold by the time it we come to the point in the podcast that I need to drink it. So I poured it and I tipped the glass and everything. And the whole entire first pour was nothing but uh, foam. And I had to pour the entire wow. thing out. And I was very upset. Um, so I don't know what happened. I don't know if... Um, I don't know. It, it was something about this glass. I didn't tip it enough. Who knows? I was talking to Eddie at the same time. So very well could have just been my fault. But I was very upset regardless of whose fault it was because that was half the beer gone down the drain. <laughs> I know. I get that. <clears throat> well, let's talk about the art. I really love the art. It's uh, bottles and there's geometric figures. Uh, there's uh, square, I mean, triangles and uh, rectangles and boots, pink boots all over, like a sort of like a nineteen, like like a nineteen eighties style kind of like setup, like you know with all those squiggly lines and the colorful pinks and uh, like. So I, I'm really that's actually what caught my eye. Not the fact I couldn't, because as you all know, I wore glasses, but off just from looking through the through the uh, doors at the. Uh, at the beer shop, I saw these vibrant pinks and this like beautiful kind of like design. And then is when I saw the Pink Boots Brew sticker emblem on him, and I was like, "Oh shit! Okay, I'm taking this one with me. It, it looks great. I love it. It's it's really classy, really chic." Um, so far, what do you guys think of the taste? So when I smelled it out of my out of the can, I smelled nothing but hops. When I smelled it out of the cup, I smelled fruity pebbles. <laughs> I don't know where that's coming from, but I definitely smelled fruity pebbles. And um, it has a very unique taste. I am trying to place the flavors that I'm tasting. Um, it I it I, doesn't taste as hoppy as it smells. That's that I will start with that a hundred percent. I'm tasting pineapple and citrus. That's what I'm tasting. I'm, ta I'm tasting a kind of a high note of, of uh, pineapple and a, a little kind of back end of citrus, not the rind citrus. And um, there is this, a little bit of aftertaste, but not hoppy like I thought I would because it's a triple. It's a triple. So I'm kind of surprised that it's it's on the sweeter end, actually. Of taste. Yes, it definitely is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so because it's a collaboration, they they have it. Uh, the Tembler Brewing Company has it on their website, but not a lot of information. It's under the seasonal section, um, seasonal side projects. So they don't really have any information other than um, the fact that it's an IPA and that it's ten point five. So I was kind of wanting to get some notes to see um, what the brewery was actually saying um, was uh, some of the bouquet uh, and flavor profile of the, of the uh, beer. But I didn't find any, but I don't, I, I don't taste the, I don't know, do I taste pineapple? Let me see. No, it's sweet. It's really sweet to me. I still am getting the Fruity Pebbles smell. And I know this sounds kind of gross, but <laughs> it tastes like strawberry milk. 
<laughs> a little bit, yeah, a little bit. I get that. I get where you're coming from with that. Yes. Strawberry milk. Hold on. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not like get- solidifying my thoughts. Okay. Oh, go ahead, Sarah. No, no, no. I'm. I'm also was trying to look for the hops and all of that, but there's no information. Go ahead, Jen. No. I'm sorry. Uh-uh. Okay. So, I did smell the hops when we opened it, and I was like, "Ew." Um. Uh, and then I, I don't know if I just like didn't roll it out enough or something, but when I initially poured it, it was very clear. It wasn't until I like got to like the bottom bits and the dregs that it, uh, whatever it was, it like made it hazy. So initially I thought it was just like, wow, this is a really clear for a hazy IPA, but I just probably didn't like shake the can or whatever. Um, uh, or it, all the like stuff had settled all the way at the bottom. Um, it did not smell like fruity pebbles to me, but it did <laughs> smell sweet. Like mm-hmm. almost like not caramel but definitely kind of like syrupy um uh, yeah i get that is, too is the, is the kind of general sense that i can give it uh for smell wise taste wise i don't taste anything it's not exactly like i didn't it it is sweet but I didn't taste any citrusy or like pineapple-y sweetness. It was just kind of a general sweetness. It reminded me of kind of a little bit like kumquats or just like mm-hmm. a very like kumquats. light. Yeah, a very light kind of fruit. That's what it, that's kind of like, um, uh, what is it, like white nectarines uh, the, or like white peaches or whatever it is that they're called. Um, uh, it's like it's fruit, but it's like it's sweet. Uh, but it and a, a little bit like fruitiness, but not something that I can pinpoint specifically. It's just kind of like a general fruity sweetness to it. That's a that's about it. But it's it is also su- like it's surprisingly light tasting. Yes, for yeah, a triple hazy IPA. Uh, I think like if you would have served me this and like not told me anything. I would have said like, "Wow, this is a very like hazy lager," um, uh, or something along those lines, or like um, um what is it, or like a like a wheat beer or something like that. That's what uh, that's what I would have assumed that this would have been if I did not know it was a triple hazy IPA. Uh, I would have just said like, "Oh, like this is just a very a very <laughs> a very cloudy kind of lager," because that's kind of what like it's very light. Uh, it's just got like a general sweetness, but not too overbearing for me. But I, I think it might be overbearing for you, Kristen. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's very, very sweet. I, I mean, mm-hmm. fruity pebbles and and strawberry milk. I do not necessarily want to <laughs> associate with the beer I'm drinking. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. After you said that, and I took a sip, there is kind of a creaminess. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's creamy. Mm-hmm. After the, after you mentioned it, I was just like, you know what? Yeah, there is. It's kind of almost like an aftertaste. It's like creamy, this creamy likeness, like taste or like texture. Yeah. Wait, I almost want to say that it's more texture than anything, than an actual mm-hmm. like yes. taste. Um, uh, so this is a very confusing beer. But, <laughs> it is. It, I don't it, it hate definitely it. is. Yes. I don't hate it. I will say that. I don't hate it. 
you know, one of the things that while you were talking, I was taking more sips. And initially, I had my beer in a um, uh, ice pack. I, I have an oh. ice pack I bought from um, Amazon that is kind of flexible. So, like, I put it in the in the freezer and then I wrap my beer in it until we're ready to open it. And so initially it was very cold. And now as it's become room temperature, more of the citrus and the creaminess has come out in the fav- flavor profile. Like, and I think that's actually what Kristen tasted because she put she had poured it in her cup. And mm-hmm. so therefore her flavor profile changed while we were initially drinking it. Because right now mm-hmm. there's it a lot of... It was also foamy too. So maybe yes. the foam had something to do with that strawberry milk taste. Because yeah. I don't really get strawberry milk, but I do get like a little bit of creaminess. Yeah. Yes. Um, now as it's become room temperature, there's a lot more of the rindy aftertaste. Like a citrus rindy aftertaste. But it's definitely that thick milky consistency on your tongue and the roof of your mouth. It's not unpleasant, though. I'm very much loving this beer. I'm actually upset I didn't get more of these now because they pack a punch, and but they don't slap you in the face with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm. um, I was looking at the Pink Boots uh, website, and they're saying that uh, they partner with a, an annual hop blend from Yakima Chief Hops. So it's a mixture that is created with the help of Yakima yakima chief hops so you know i really should like start looking more into like hops and like what it is that they are and taste like and do because you keep saying that and i have no idea what it means (laughs) (laughs) i know for a fact that sometimes we taste certain beers and certain beers have the same uh hop profile but they Mm, brew it in such a way that it brings out different a different uh, different kind of there are some it. hop names I can recognize. Yes, now. exactly. Citra is a big, a big normal, generic one that a lot of people use. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, so, I can't think is... of anything off the top of my head, but um, yes, we do know some hops by name, which I think mm-hmm. makes me feel kind of cool. Um, <laughs> but I think are you we're ready, ready to, to rate it. Yes, I think we're ready to rate it. Yes. Yes. What is our rating scale, Kristen? So we have a five-point rating scale where, uh, well, we had guess it's a, a six, seven-point now, but the basic scale is one being very unsatisfied, uh, two being unsatisfied, a three is neutral, you're like, whatever, uh, four satisfied, and five very satisfied. Now, if it is a zero, which we had to accommodate uh, Sarah because we had some some drink, uh, I think it was recently, where we all yes. needed a zero. Yes. <laughs> and so we, we've held on to our flaccid rating um, of zero. And then if it is a six or higher, it is still Super Saiyan. So I'm going to start because you guys are all excited about it. And I am a two out of five on this one. I do not like it. I'm unsatisfied. I will continue to drink it. If I was very unsatisfied, I, I guess I would pour it out. But I, it is not winning me over at all. I do not appreciate the flavors. Um, they, I kept drinking it to swishing it around in my mouth. And it just was not... Um, coming together for me at all. Um, I generally like hi- hazy IPAs, but the the overly sweetness of this in a bad way, um, just I did not like. So I'm giving it a two. <laughs> that is so crazy because this is Sarah and I am going to give it a Super Saiyan. 
Oh my God. Wow. Yes. 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 Wow. The, the different, it took me to, through a trip, like initially cold. It took me on this magical voyage. And then as it got room temperature, it changed for me. So it's like drinking two beers in one because the profile completely changed for me. And it's, it was just like, wow, you're really blowing my mind. That That's why it's super safe for me. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting because I said I, I didn't hate it, but I'm also not like super impressed with it. Um, so I'm honestly stuck between giving it a three or a four um, because here's, okay, here's the thing. Here's my thought process right now is that basically the only flavor I'm getting is sweet. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it, but not an overbearing sweetness. It's just kind of like a general like syrupy sweetness. Like someone put like a little bit of sugar in my water or something like that. Um, uh, but this is a 10.5 and I'm already kind of feeling it because I haven't eaten <laughs> anything in a bit. So I'm just like, and if you kept pouring this, if you kept refilling my cup, I would keep drinking this. And it like, would taste better over time. <laughs> Maybe they're all end up on the on the floor, so uh-huh. it's like I said. This is something that is easily drinkable. Like it's it's almost like a lager. Uh, if the lager can like hit you upside the face with its ABV, um, <laughs> uh, so oh my god! Like flavor flavor wise, I've had more in more better tasting beers. Um than this uh that are less abv so that makes me want to give it a three but this is a very easily drinkable beer for me that i can keep drinking and get a pretty lit by like pretty fast so that in its functionality and the fact that i would keep drinking it makes me want to give it a four so I'm 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 kind of torn actually. I don't know what to give this. Three I mean, and a half. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Yeah, let's let's compromise. Three and a half. I give it a three and a half. It's almost a four. It's not a three. So I, I give it a three and a half. As you were talking, I I took another sip, and I got a totally different profile. Now it's sweet tart. Wow. So sweet it's, tart. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so like, like all I'm all I'm tasting is just sweet, like a kumquat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but that has been our beer review, guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, now it's time for our book review. What are we reviewing today? So today we are actually reviewing a zine that uh okay. Funny story. Um, I backed this a long time ago, but I back a lot of things. So sometimes I lose track of the things that I have backed and then I have to go back into my Kickstarter and be like, huh, did I get this? I don't fucking remember. Uh, and that's what I did. And I had not actually gotten, because I backed the physical copy and like a bunch of other stuff, but I, um, uh, hadn't received it yet. So I was actually supposed to get this back in December of 2021. And I did not realize I did not have it until literally like three weeks ago. Um, But then I emailed the creator and he gave me the PDF and he was just like, I had sent out all gifts and I was just like, you know what? 
I 100% believe that the USPS would have lost it. Like, don't sweat it. Uh, um, um, shit happens. I know. And it's just like, I didn't get one of my rewards from Kickstarter until two years later. Because that's just how much shit is fucked at the USPS right now. Um, so if you haven't gotten your mail, it's the USPS's fault. It's not the creator's fault. Um, that, but this, uh, the book that we are reviewing is a zine called Deliria. Uh, and it was originally on Kickstarter. Only 300 copies were made. Oh, wow. And yes. Uh, so who knows, maybe sometime down the line, the USPS will figure the shit out and actually deliver it to me. <laughs> but as it is, um, Deliria is a zine about reflections for queer folks and those who love them. And it was made by Luis Ruiz from Mexico City. Um, and shout out to him because he actually responded to my email and like get, emailed me the digital PDF and we were able to uh, review it and like really check it out. But and I believe I did actually, when this was originally being kickstarted, put it in my in la libreria. Um, uh, mm. But Deliria was actually his, um, uh, I believe, his thesis or his like, uh, yeah, his thesis for his graduation. And it is a series of six, basically, essays uh, where the main concepts focus gender and, like, uh, and, you know, like, trans identity and, like, the LGBTQ kind of uh, scene and upbringing. Uh, the opening essay for Delidia was really, really impressive. And... I, as I was reading it, I just like, I was like nodding my head, like, you know what? Yeah, like, I agree with most of everything that's right here. Some of it, I was just all like, yeah, I'm not entirely sure uh, what is trying to be said, but I think that might have been due to some of the translation issues because when I read it in Spanish, mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, okay, this makes more sense now. Um, uh, uh, so definitely, but I think the main point got across and it's just in a i just i really enjoyed reading it and uh i definitely think i got my money's worth with it i'm just really glad that i was able to get the pdf and be able to read uh this project because it's definitely a, like a huge passion project uh for him so uh, as i was looking up some of the information about this zine it came up that it actually won a best um compilation zine uh by broken pencil zine awards in 2019 um oh, wow. so i thought that was really cool it won an award and um uh luis r ruiz um talks a lot about how the zine um really focuses on how mexico city is undergoing a major shift towards zine culture i thought that was super interesting um he says that um this particular zine was one of his few key projects that he wanted to do before um graduating from grad school and going into adulthood <laughs> <laughs> and he actually, it was actually the prelude to his very own drag debut, which um, I find very interesting in and of itself. Um, a lot of the uh, essays um, really 
revolved around uh, drag queens. And I found that um, kind of community and culture um, super interesting to read about. I actually learned a lot of things and learned, um, uh, not learned, but, um, but was kind of like, confirmed in some of the things that maybe I had already thought or, or, um, wondered about. And so I really was, um, I, I did, I read it today right before. And when I <laughs> opened the zine, I'm like, Oh my gosh, it is nothing but words. <laughs> yes. There same. are some pieces, but there are some art pieces, but yeah, there I, are some they, art. they are art pieces. Yes, there are. Um, but, it doesn't take the space of the words. <laughs> it's a, yes. a nice I, addition. Um, but one uh, of one of the things, like I didn't know what it was about. Jen just, you know, sent it. Said let's. She said it was a zine, and you know that it was Mexican creators, and that you know uh, Mexico City was um, basically where these people were, um, where these creators uh, were from. And so I was like, oh, that sounds cool, a zine short little thing that we can read <laughs> I, I was wrong <laughs> but one of the um in the actual um dedication um the last sentence says i mean there's a long list of people that uh that uh Luis is dedicating it to and the last sentence says and all the women and queer folk of the world that have endured gender violence all of you deserve better and so that kind of set the tone for what I knew this was going to be about and the themes and the topics that it was going to um, address. And I really enjoyed all of the essays and um, actually was super interested, like I said, to find out um, or to learn about or to read about how a lot, uh, a couple of these drag queen um performers who wrote some of the essays talked about how it, I kind of likened it to how we talk about colorism in, um, in uh, both black and brown communities. It's almost the same that there kind of is like a lot of marginalization within the drag queen community. Um, something that was interesting that I uh, found out, I think there was two instances in here that women can perform drag. I had, not, yes. that, not that I uh, didn't think it was possible. I hadn't, I hadn't even, my, I didn't even allow my mind to get to the place where that was even <laughs> a possibility to think it wasn't possible. Like I never, my mind was never even open to that um, at all. And so to me, I was like, oh my gosh, why did I never think about that? And so I just really, I even looked up a lot, um, the two that they spoke about here, um, there. Uh, oh, and then also there was a, a man who was um, who was uh, he called himself hetero something, but he has a wife, and it was hetero. I can't remember now what the term was, but kind of like <laughs> like fluid, but within heterosexuality. I know I, I that was just my assumption of what it what it meant, but um, his. Uh, he also was talking about how that is not common within the drag queen community and that and he he shared i don't know if it was him or another one different terms i think it was the woman who shared different terms 
for within the community, how people describe you and refer to you. And so it all just was really interesting to me. And I looked up some of these drag queen performers on Instagram and on Facebook and um, Twitter and kind of got got into to their media there because um, on TikTok, I am completely enamored with a couple of drag queen performers who will get on and do lives while they're putting on their makeup. And I just am like so addicted to watching that happen. <laughs> and they're here in West Hollywood and I want to go. I We need to go like to Hamburger Mary's oh, or something. Oh, you should. There's some yes, great shows go. in West yeah. Hollywood. I really, really miss it. I need a... F- I really need to find out if there's a drag queen like scene here in San Jose, because I know there's in San Francisco, but getting to San mm-hmm. Francisco and then getting back to San Jose is a whole nother story. That I have. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, it's, um, um, I want to say that the zine is almost a celebration, but there are definitely some moments of somberness and just like, mm-hmm. I, I think the word reflection is really really good because um there was one essay that i really really liked and i think it was the second one how to become a barbie uh, yes to become a barbie where he says how i became a barbie yes oh yeah how i became a barbie um uh, he's the the drag queen in question said i don't see my life as a struggle uh and as i when i was reading that i was just like yeah, like when people like ask about like what like fights or stuff like that, I'm just like I'm like, what are you talking about? This is just my life. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Just mm-hmm. be, being, uh, I don't want to even then because my own sexuality and like what I identify as has troubled me for a very long time. I don't want to say I'm bi anymore because I'm just not sure. But I'm definitely, I I like the umbrella term of queer. Um, Mm -hmm. um, But a lot of that, I like, when I think about it, I'm just like, yeah, like a lot of this stuff isn't, when it's just like, oh, like you're so brave and stuff like that. I'm just like, no, I'm not. This is just. (laughs) This is how I live. (laughs) This is just how I live. And I really, really like that one. I really, I think that might have been my favorite essay, How I Became a Barbie, um, uh, followed shortly by the Cobra one. Uh, oh i like that one yeah yeah cobra was really really like it was a good essay so a lot of these even the opening one um i really really liked it because it's really funny to think of myself as older but and like in some ways i know that i'm not i'm definitely not as old as people who actually lived through the eight uh epidemic and survive i'm definitely not old enough to like remember uh stonewall or any of that uh but i am old enough to remember uh the 90s i am old enough to remember the early 2000s and how casual and cavalier the word the essler was used uh mm-hmm. i'm old enough to remember uh, like a bunch of people being killed or bullied because uh, and committing suicide because they were queer. And when I was reading this, I just, right now it's, it's kind of, it's not exactly a golden age uh, because I, re- I refuse to call anything something like that so long as uh, intolerance of the LGBT community exists. And then I believe in some form and extent it will always exist. 
Um, and definitely after everything that has happened and all the setbacks that have been uh, and that have occurred, thanks to this new Supreme Court, uh, definitely not a golden age anymore. But definitely the youth and especially very young uh, LGBTQ members don't realize just how good they have it or how desperate for content and visibility uh, a lot of us who are kind of older in the LGBTQ and the fact that I have to like think of myself as an older one due to the AIDS epidemic and how a lot of members of the LGBTQ passed and we can't have them to Mm -hmm. speak and to uh, say like what was the truth like it's mind boggling and a lot of the younger LGBTQ community don't understand that they think things and it's it's so funny that I'm like saying this because I remember this being said about me too but they want to be spoon-fed content to them that perfectly caters to them and it's just like that's not how the real world works honey you're gonna have to go either make it yourself or be like either okay with what is there and fight for your right to exist because they think they're just like oh like we're here and like we have a good and they're just like no everything that you are right now standing on has been on the blood sweat and tears of all the generations before you and yeah, there was an- oh, yeah sorry go ahead oh yeah and we kind of get like that sense of feeling from Luis in that opening essay and i really really do like that opening essay yeah, um, I was going to say in one of the essays, they actually addressed that specifically about how the generations now, um, I don't know which one they, I think Gen Z is maybe what they actually specifically called out, Gen Z. how yeah. um, it's actually almost not encouraged, but regaled. Uh, that this generation is is so okay with fluidity in gender and sexuality and how it's almost like a badge of honor that that's how you identify. And with all of this um, acceptance of, um, of pronouns and using the right pronouns and all that kind of stuff, that it sometimes, not sometimes, it does get lost on uh, all of the of the fighting and violence and death that happened to get to where we are today. And not to say that we are just like you said, Jen, we're not to say that we are in a golden age because there are still so many trans uh, gender people who suffer violence every day and are killed just because of who they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I really love that essay on uh, how I became a Barbie because you know how we've talked about Catholic guilt here on the podcast. He was suffering from Mormon guilt. Um, he yes. was brought up in a Mormon community, Mormon parents. He was baptized at, I think, age eight. And uh, one of the, the thing is, the, the essay was so lighthearted and comical in the sense that I felt that he put comedy in there and his true feelings in there to to make us not feel so guilty for reading it I guess like lightheartedness sort of like when he's like the only way I can get through being baptized was thinking about that young hot Mormon's <laughs> penis next to my face and I was like oh my god I love you <laughs> like what um 
he was just he uh, and he does um he does drag now after so many years of like shunning off drag for drag for his life because he just was looking for he went on so many different journeys in his life including cancer and then to finally reconnect with himself in drag and comedy was just like it was just so amazing and one of the things he's like this is not you know my struggle or whatever this is this was just my journey this was just my life um, but there were so many aspects. I mean, because he was like Mormon for so long and trying to be Mormon and trying not to play with Barbie, um, that he just like censored himself. And so that kind of trickled onto his young adult life. And in the end, after like being so close to death with being diagnosed with cancer and going through chemo, he rose up like a phoenix and was like this is just me now the freedom i got from having cancer to rediscovering myself was all i ever really needed and i just went back to being that six-year-old boy that was trying to play with barbies and then i just became the barbie <laughs> and that was amazing that was amazing yeah uh, the the first essay um, I did. I only read it in English, and it was almost feeling over my head a lot of the times. But then I read it with the with the Spanish Mexican accent, and it made sense <laughs> to me a little bit <laughs> because uh, people from other countries, sort of like Bishork or Selma Hayek, or they they have a way of talking in English that is just kind of so juicy so full like i don't know i mean I, I don't i don't know how to explain it but like we're like straight to the point like yeah i just you know had sex and you know vomited you know but they'll say like something like i was in the throes of passion underneath the moonlight and then i regurgitated yeah. yes i regurgitated my dinner you know like it's so different <laughs> And I hear you, Jen, talk about how you actually read it in Spanish. I'm going to go back and read it in Spanish. And that's another thing that I loved oh, about the zine. Right. Another thing that I freaking loved about the zine was the fact that each story was in English and then in Spanish. In English and then in Spanish. So uh, you didn't have to wait till the end to read the Spanish. You yeah. read it while you were in the story. Yeah. Page and, by um, page it was Page by page, yes. And, it was, and that's amazing in itself. Um, so I'm going to go back and read it in Spanish. And I like the fact that I, I was telling Kristen, um, maybe to separate content, you want to put in another ink color. And she was like, ah, you know, I'm not going to find another ink color in my in my in my house. But in the zine, it happened. And I was like, I felt validated. Like the ink, <laughs> the black ink is English. The red uh -huh. ink is Spanish. And it's like, yes, somebody gets me. Somebody out there gets me. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, there was a lot of like highlighting points. And yes, I do feel like, I mean, we came from people, I mean, I mean, we're still on the journey, of course, but like now we have Euphoria, where we have a trans, a trans actress, like mm -hmm. acting, it's amazing. Um, and then we had another Netflix movie that just came out with another trans actor, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a trans kind of story plot. And I'm just like, I am so glad we're here now, but there's still a long journey to go. 
Um, but like you said, Jen, coming back, like basically you guys are standing on the bones of people who died for being who they are. And I'm glad that people are able to tell us their stories and we're able to read them because, I mean, first of all, when I first opened the the the, the file, I was like, oh, my God, all these words. <laughs> but as I, as I started reading it, I was like, whoa, there's so much I still didn't know about this. And I was just yeah, like, wow. Yeah, especially it's when you take the LGBT community and all its acronyms and stuff like that. First, so it's LGBTQIA T, and then like uh, keeps adding it alphabet to as the <laughs> other side likes to call us. But you take that down, usually narrow it down to just LGBT, and then you narrow it down, and it's usually focused on just the L and the G, and then you narrow that down further, and it's usually just the G. Mm-hmm. And not just the G, it's white, cis, uh, gay men that are usually the focus. And in mainstream media, not to denigrate, because, uh, like, white, cis men have suffered. Like, unlike, definitely they have suffered. Uh, anytime I think about Oscar Wilde, I cry. Um, uh, oh, my God, so, yes. Yeah. So... But that is undeniably, especially when you focus, and this was something that was brought up in one of the essays, was that mainstream LGBTQ media is highly white, highly Mm -hmm. cis, and highly male-dominated. And it's usually the people who are put in focus are wealthy, uh, and they don't really, like... They don't really under. There's a reason I don't go on about some of the, the mainstream kind of uh, uh, queer icons that get generally get this uh, adopted by people. I'm not gonna shoot praise at them because they're already getting praise enough. I'm focused more on people who are more like me. I would relate more to a. Uh, black trans woman than I would to the white cis guy who's coming out on Nickelodeon or whatever. Um, And I think this was a really good reflection about, you know, not just like gender identity, but also like race, nationality, surprisingly as well. Uh, And also kind of, it's it's a different kind of queerness because I know, I know what I meant. Where I'm in, and I know that I'm cis, but there is a whole different spe- like I'm, I'm pretty much sure of my gender, but it is fluid. I think I think there, there is definitely moments where I myself can feel fluid as well. I'm not trans, but there are moments where I'm definitely more, um, more fluid. I'm going to say than it is. And I think it's works like this really open up that conversation and to people as well, that this is a spectrum. And mm-hmm. that moments and thoughts like, you could fall into it and you should embrace that. You should explore that because it opens you up as a person as well. You can be assured, I know what I am. I know I'm a queer, cis woman basically, but I know also that that is open to interpretation and that 
also opens me up to different people uh, and their experiences as well. Because when you're so strict about what you think is the world, then you're not open to what else is out there. I am a little drunk. (laughs) (laughs) It's that 10 point whatever. That 10 point five, like I'm done. I finished it. (laughs) Oh no. No, but I totally get it. I mean, you know what? I was just thinking, Jen, you were when you were talking about this book and your face was up against because we record on uh, Riverside and your face was up against the, the image it, that I'm looking at. You look so bright, like you were shining, like it was just amazing. Like I was oh, like, damn, you. damn, That's she really feels me. super passionate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just I think sometimes what we say and when we're feeling passion for it, it shows in our face. And I think mm-hmm. this was one of these projects that you were just like glowing as you were talking about it. And I just was like, whoa, like it's on another <laughs> level. Like, um, I mean, I appreciate learning more about the community, but hearing you as part of the community and glowing, talking about this book, I was just like, oh, man, I'm just so definitely going to reread it in Spanish because I learned so much in English. But now I'm going to go on a different learning level in Spanish. So I'm as as much as I was reluctant to start reading it, I really loved it. <laughs> it is so, a lot of words. <laughs> so are we ready to rate it? Yes. All right. Well, I'm going to start. Um, I like a little pictures in my project. So I'm going to give it uh, tres conchas and a cup of té de canela. <laughs> Very nice. Okay, so this is Kristen. Um, I really enjoyed it a lot. Just like Sarah, when I saw all the words, I was like, oh my gosh, I waited too long. And it's very overwhelming. (laughs) But I got through all the essays, uh, including the introductory essay. And I just really um, enjoyed all of them. I learned a lot. And um, I think, uh, Jen, you said something kind of um, in the beginning that uh, it was kind of like, The topics were somber uh, in some cases, but really, I think overall, I left reading this uh, this zine kind of like uh, like like it was a celebratory um, zine as well. Um, So I am going to give it uh, three conchas and a cup of champurrado. I'm going to go old school with that, um, but it definitely deserves it. And um, I appreciate and thank you jen for bringing it to our attention yeah i'm glad you guys liked it i am also gonna give it three conchas and uh cafe de olla i'm gonna go a different round (laughs) nice (laughs) classic style i like it very very classic style um because i really did enjoy reading this i love the passion behind it and i love the different perspectives that we get from it as well uh, because this is about trans identity, mostly. Um, uh, and, like, there are drag queens, but some of these drag queens are also, you know, trans themselves as well. So mm-hmm. it's, um, uh, and Luis, uh, I believe, is trans as well. Um, so it's it's definitely a very poignant piece. Uh, I am 
I don't think there's any more physical copies. I think if you mm -hmm. didn't back to Kickstarter, you couldn't, uh, you can't get a physical copy anymore. Uh, I believe you can still get a PDF, but you have to email uh, Luis or message him. Uh, he has two uh, sites. He has an Instagram where it's Litera Luis, which is L-I-T-E-R-A-L-U-I-S on Instagram. And his website also is uh, www.literaluis.com. So just take his Instagram handle and put it uh, into the general browser. Uh, Luis himself is, uh, he is a multiple creative. He's worked on a lot of stuff and he's worked for a lot of, um, uh, like he's worked for the Huffington Post, Instagram itself, uh, Broken Pencil Magazine, Paper Magazine, Adobe. He actually had an internship at Adobe, uh, Entertainment Online, and BuzzFeed. And he's done some design work for Netflix as well, I believe. So he is open to work, and you can ask about and see examples of his work on literaluis.com. Uh, but I believe you can, might still be able to purchase copies of Del the Deliria scene on him as well. Just send him a message through uh, Instagram or through Kickstarter. Uh, his name is Luis Ruiz, and his Instagram is Litera Luis. And again, his website is literaluis.com. Awesome, guys. That has been our book review. <laughs> All right, guys, now it's time for En La Libreria. Jen, what do you have for us today? So today I have De uh, Noche Got a Fire number two, and I, it's De or De I'm going to say De Noche. De number two got a, got a fire. <laughs> we actually reviewed issue number one a while ago i think yeah it was a while ago yeah it was quite a while ago so uh and i remember we i remember that we were impressed by it uh when we weren't expecting to be sorry <laughs> uh but the notch got a fire number two is the sequel to the action-packed aztec mythology superhero com comic and let me read a little bit of what we have right here. It's being made by Concrete Comics, who we have, again, also reviewed other different, um, different comics for. But here's what we have on the campaign page. Backed by popular demand, Concrete Comics has returned to bring the second installment of the critically acclaimed comic series, The Notch Got a Fire. Since its introduction earlier this year, fans all over the world have become fascinated with the story of the Aztec warrior diary, and we are ready to deliver more. This issue takes the mythological action and exploration of Mesoamerican lore to the next level. Get ready for the new campaign full of exclusive content, covers, posters, and t-shirts, ready to set the bar high and keep it concrete. So... They have a little bit of examples, too, and issue one is available to also purchase on this Kickstarter. But if you like stuff like God of War for Conan the Barbarian, kind of this, like, kind of fantasy, like, old-school fantasy type of things, Tenoch is for you, and I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be said Tenoch, but Tenochtitlan is pronounced the way it is, so it's Tenoch. Um, I'm right. Sorry, creator. Um... 
But right now, it's actually been fully funded. It had a goal of $1,200 and is currently at $1,354 with 46 backers and 28 days to go. You can always support on Kickstarter without expecting an award if you just like want to pitch in and help support it. But base pledge starts at $8 where you get the notch number two, uh, the digital one with a Kickstarter exclusive screensaver and your name added on the thank you page. At $15, you get cover A, uh, the physical copy, and then all the other previous uh, rewards. And then there are different, there's also a cover B that is also at $15. Then at $25, you get uh, a digital copy of issues number one, Denotch cover A and cover B, uh, physical copies, and then all the other previous rewards. And then at $35, you get physical copies of issue numbers one and two, cover A and B. And then the price keeps going up from there. Uh, You can get, there is a special Quetzalcoatl cover at $90. Um, It only has one spot available, but there are also other rewards that are available on here. Uh, We we like the issue number one. So I highly, and we still had questions at the end of issue number one. So issue number two should be exciting. Uh, it is Denoch, T-E-N-O-C-H, God of Fire, number two on Kickstarter. Yes, and I'd also like to add that if you want to learn more about issue number one, uh, if you are on the fence about uh, backing this campaign, you can definitely check out our YouTube Las Platicas. It's Las Platicas Daniel Calvo, C-A-L-V-O. It doesn't have an issue uh, number because... um, YouTube works in a different way, but you can talk, uh, you can hear us talk to the creator and we learn more about how his creative process came about and what uh, the story entails. So check that out. Follow, uh, follow us on YouTube, like and subscribe and learn more about this campaign. And this is on the second issue. Thank you, Jed, so much for bringing that up um, and clarifying my name pronunciation. <laughs> Now it's time for En La Libre. No, I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm fucked up. <laughs> no more triple hazy IPAs. I don't feel anything because I didn't drink it. <laughs> okay. Oh my God. Okay. I've been drinking water, though, so I've been trying to be good. Um, I'm drinking water, too. One, two, three. Now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what do you have for us today? Well, today on Juntos y Fuertes, which is our segment that highlights uh, projects that marginalized uh, people in marginalized groups are um, support, not supporting, creating themselves. I am sharing with you a new organization uh, called Cuidate Mija. And it is started, it was founded by somebody whose name you might find familiar. Um, it is uh, the brainchild of Malina Chavaria, who, as you might remember, is the creator and writer of Magic Glasses. Um, one of the very first uh, comics, I think, that we read and reviewed way back in 
the good old days of Comadesi Comics. <laughs> we also had her as um, as a uh, guest on our Las Platicas um, way back. I highly recommend that episode as well. But Cuida de Mija is an organization that Melina Chavaria has started um, after being 15 years in HR and management and has now pivoted to bringing life coaching and support to Latinx women who are looking for connection, growth, both personally and professionally. Um, her plea to women is that we are women, mijas, and caretakers who are trying to break generational curses and toxic cycles, build generational wealth for our loved ones, keep our families together, and still try to maintain some sort of balance and time for itself. She's a certified life coach and business consultant who wants to be a guide uh, on your healing journey. She's bringing together her own life journey and her professional experience and wants to guide you as uh, you together cultivate self-care, embrace your wholeness, and connect deeper with uh, your ancestors and purpose as well as your spirit. So she provides one-on-one life coaching. And then she also uh, provides... um, like uh, business management um, as well, since she has so much experience uh, in it, um, business and HR consultations. So um, cuidatamija.com is where you can go for more information. That's C-U-I-D-A-T-E-M-I-J-A.com. And thank you, Melina, so much for um, providing this service to uh, Latinx women out there a community that so desperately needs uh, to have mental health services provided by other um, culturally uh, responsive and aware um, people. So thank you for that. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, we have a lot of issues. And when I say we, I say me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it has a lot to do with we. It's a it's a Catholic guilt issue is mommy issues is um, so, I mean, there's a lot going on. So like her creating this program, creating the space for us is really, really important. And I hope a lot of people reach out to her and figure something out, make some appointments, make some connections. Be awesome. All right, guys, now it's time for saludos and saludos. I want to point out, which I've tried to do for the last two episodes and keep forgetting is for Frank, Mr. Frank. Namely, my husband. My husband <laughs> went to Nicaragua and he got us those beautiful bags that we give out at conventions. But this time he put our logo on the bags. So when we give out our our swag this time, whenever we are at a convention, it'll have a, a our, your shopping bag with our logo on it. And he also got us some stickers uh, from a friend of his that creates stickers and yeah does a lot of stenciling and stuff like that so um i'm so happy that he went to nicaragua thinking of us in our podcast and making us a lot of swag to give to our listeners and to people that follow us at the convention so special shout out saludos to frank what about you Kristen? So I am giving saludos to Jose Pimienta. His creative name is Joe Pie. And you 
might recognize his name from multiple books that we've read and reviewed on our podcast. Um, he had a story in the The Girl Who Married a Skull anthology. He also wrote Suncatcher, the story of the girl whose uh, grandfather's soul was captured in the um, in the guitar that he left. And she had to uh, figure out how to play the song uh, that he had never finished to release his soul. And my personal favorite, Soupy Leaves Home. He was the artist on that book. Well, the reason I'm giving saludos to um, Jose is he was a special guest at Heidi Hill Comics this last Wednesday. Um, he was there um, highlighting all of those books I just spoke of, plus a new one called Twin Cities, a book about two twins who um, are live in Mexicali and where one decides to go to school stateside and the other decides to stay in uh, Mexicali and how that really um, causes a lot of both personal um, issues and familial issues and just issues within their own relationship um, and also just um, navigating uh, going to school here in the United States when you live across uh, in a different country so that sounded really um interesting but the best part of his um of his visit was that he gifted us original art oh from Leaves home oh, oh no I'm way showing the girls, i'm showing it to the girls he did not just give one for all of us he gave us each one. Oh my and god so, we each get original art from Soupy Leaves Home. And so I was just like so like in awe and in shock and so excited and thankful and grateful. And he's, he is giving us saludos for just supporting him and giving such a great review of his work. Um, but now we are doing the same because his work is just definitely worthy of saludos and getting it out there. And um, most of it is all YA uh, friendly. And so if you have uh, any middle age to YA to adult people who are interested in some of those stories that I just mentioned to you, definitely check out his website. Uh, you can find out more about him at josepimienta.com. That's J-O-S-E. P-I-M-I-E-N-T-A dot com. Oh, my God. I am so happy that he gifted that to us. My God, that's so awesome. Oh, that's we love his sweet. work. We love his work. It's so amazing. I mean, when we were reading Suncatcher, I was like, this looks really familiar. And then when you mentioned Supi uh, Leaves Home, I was like, oh, my God, yes, that's the connection. That's it. <laughs> so anyway, thank you so much. I'm just so excited. I thank you. Thank you, guys. All right, guys, now it's time for the end of our episode. We are hosts. I'm Sarah. First, we got to tell people where they find us. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> Damn, this 10-pointer is really effing me up. Okay. <laughs> okay, that brings us to the end of this episode. Where can they find us? You can find us at comadesecomics.com where you can um, find all the links to all of our social media on Twitter, Facebook, 
uh, Instagram, and don't forget to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch our in-person, well, not in-person, in-Zoom interviews <laughs> of uh, creators. And um, always, it's such a great pleasure to meet and interview them, and they always have such amazing things to say. Um, so definitely check us out there as well. Excellent. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We have been your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. And that's on period. Network. <laughs>